previously on the metal podcast the whole point of propaganda is to get you to think emotionally and you have to ask yourself what is this trying to make me feel the ruling class really views you as a resource you exist to provide for them you know and and ultimately what they want to do is make make it easier to manage the uh, people paul young uh, writing in LA Exposed revealed that in the late 1960s and early 1970s, there was another curious group calling Laurel Canyon home. The most infamous male madam throughout LA's sordid history would have to be Billy Breyer, the wealthy son of an oil magnate and part-time producer of gay porn. Breyers yeah, was said to have a stellar group of customers using his brothel at the summit of Laurel Canyon. In fact, some have claimed that none other than J. Edgar Hoover, the founder and chief executive officer of the FBI, was one of his best clients. Interesting. When Breyers fell under police scrutiny in 1973, allegedly for trafficking in child pornography, officers obtained a number of confessions from some of his hustlers, and some of them identified Hoover and Clyde Tolson as Mother John and Uncle Mike and claimed that they had serviced them on numerous occasions. Gross. Then that the top law enforcement officials in the nation were also a part of the Laurel Canyon scene, along with the various other unnamed permis- persons of prominence. It's basically an exercise in, in mind control. Nobody is really pro-war. I mean, there are a few people that are, but, you know... Those are all people that are members of the media. Just at the core, there is no person that's just like, man, I can't wait till someone goes to war. Ah, man, (laughs) wouldn't that be so cool if, like, war started tomorrow? I I love war. You know, like, some people, they like puppies, and others like chocolate. (laughs) Now, me, I love a full-fledged hot war. No no one's like that. (laughs) Where... Now you just make the hippies, well, they're anti-war, and then this is how they protested it. You know, they just, they wanted to live in the now, and... Oh, and you don't like hippies? All, well, you like war, then. Yeah, they were oh. just, they were just anti-war. They were anti-war, they were <laughs> yeah. just, they were against the fascist system that wanted to send them to war for no reason. Man. Oh, you must be pro those things. Okay, there you go. Now you've trapped someone. I think we found where this stuff really... May not have started, but where the next phase kind of started. And now, the conclusion. And welcome to another edition of the Metal Podcast. This will be the final chapter in the epic tale that is Oral Canyon Deep Dive. I am AC, and joined by the greatest co-host with the best memory and the most uh, alertive responses. DJ, how are you doing? If I could remember, I would tell you, but I am alert and I am excited and I'm fascinated to, to top this thing off once and for all to be done with these people. You know, it's been, you, it, I, I'm Thur, Thur is doing good. Thank you for asking. Don't worry, I'll cut that out. Not standing, but it, it's been a remarkable journey. What started out as a a fun little joke where we were going to talk about how silly it was that people believe that Jim Morrison became Rush Limbaugh and Jimi Hendrix became Morgan Freeman turned into an actual 
serious, in-depth analysis of what may have been the most defining moment in the history of America. It was the moment when the entertainment industry was fully weaponized and it was utilized to reshape the entire country. And just as a little cherry on top to show that in this deep dive, the trench is unending. Today, I randomly stumbled upon the fact that Jim Morrison went to USC film school where he met Francis Ford Coppola, who was an acquaintance of George Lucas and Steven Spielberg, who Mm. apparently had worked on that documentary about the, uh, I've already forgotten the name of the festival. The Altamont Free. Altamont Free Festival, yes. The one where the Hells Angels killed the people. Yes. 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 So it, it just, it keeps going. It just, it doesn't stop. Everybody who was anyone at the time was integral, integral in this moment in American history. But before we go into what we go into today, I've, I've had this article in front of me for every single episode. And I've wanted to talk about this (laughs) just because it, it should set the, the, the tone for what we've been trying to get into. Now, this is an article from something called groovyhistory.com. How Laurel Canyon became rock star central in the 60s and 70s. And then there's a picture of what they call the Hollywood vampires. John Lennon, Harry Nilsson, Alice Cooper, and Mickey Dolenz. In the 1960s and 70s, folk musicians, psychedelic rockers, country rockers, and pop groups trying to get a little edge flocked to Laurel Canyon. Rock stars, it seemed, had found their Shangri-La, an idyllic world where a group of disparate friends all grew together to become some of the best-known artists of the 20th century. Artists like Joni Mitchell, the Eagles, the Monkees, and Crosby, Stills, and Nash all lived within walking distance of one another. Oh, that's fun. And would routinely hang out and jam together in the wee hours of the morning. The Laurel Canyon rock star scene was like the California sound. Many of them made famous a mellow affair. Yeah. So this article, before I go too deep into it, it just paints a picture of these guys, just kind of like fun, happy, go lucky, carefree musicians that were all just buddy, buddy friends that just would get together, play music and hang out. That's it. I don't need to keep going into it, but it's, it's pretty much just like how all these people lived near each other and all hung out with each other and we're all friends and, and, uh, how everyone thinks that they introduced this person and this person, the the articles are relevant, but the point is there is a facade about Laurel Canyon as we've covered for many weeks. There is a dark cloud that hangs over this entire area. And to the unknowing, this whole thing was nothing but rainbows and and sunshine and smiles and, and happy music. That's all it was. And there was, there was nothing else below the surface. But as we will get into a little later, 
this is all connected. And I was hoping today, uh, unless we get horribly sidetracked, which probably will not happen. Very possible. It is possible, but I don't think it's going to happen. I think we'll, we'll show a little bit more discipline than that. Yes, we will. But how everything is going to be tied together. Before I go on, DJ, did you want to get anything out of the way? Just kind of some, some quick, brief wrap-ups? Yeah, you know, I actually found out what was making me really upset about not finding that uh, that number about how the record industry um, just exponentially just blew up. So in the ne- in the decade from 1955 to 1965, record sales increased tenfold. We already got that, but it went from about $60 million annually 60 million annually to 600 million dollars annually. So that's that's the type of like that just ramped up the next part of this plan. You know, this is where everything gets weaponized. The media, um, it's pretty wild. But yeah, I'm glad I finally tracked down that exact number. Is there any? Did you want to talk about your um, your lady that you found? Uh, the lady. You know what? I do have something to actually clear up or, uh, um, you know how I mentioned, uh, Bijou Phillips, John Phillips daughter. Yes. Okay. Well, I kind of left out something kind of important, uh, about her. (laughs) And so let me read a little bit about her real quick. Uh, she's described by Index magazine as a wild child who through fate and circumstance was somehow allowed to partake of New York's nebulous nightlife at an age traditionally more suited to playing with dolls. Bijou was a cover model from a very young age. She was also the 14-year-old uh, 14-year-old star of a Calvin Klein ad campaign that many people, as well as the U.S. Justice Department, considered to be bordering on child pornography, and that Bijou herself has referred to as the kitty porn ad. But what's very interesting about this is that there was a very, um, you know, she told the interviewer from Index that coaching her creepily lurking behind the scenes of that notorious Calvin Klein photo shoot, um, the guy um, in this Calvin Klein photo shoot, he's like a technical advisor or something, she claims was this porn guy who was later identified as Ron Jeremy. And so, obviously, Ron Jeremy's not just your average uh, porn guy, and he's arguably one of the most famous porn stars. He's also very well connected as a porn star. Uh, His mother, for example, was an asset of the OSS precursor to the CIA. His uncle had ties to notorious gangster Benjamin Bugsy Siegel, and he attended high school with none other than future CIA director George Tenet. So, yes, this Laurel Canyon stuff goes a little deep. Yeah, it it really never ends, and no, it could go anyway. <laughs> I I don't like to do this really because it's not really helpful for anyone. But really, just do your own research on it. Like we've given you plenty, but I'm sure if you just did your own kind of let's uh just click around Wikipedia game, and you'll you'll find all sorts of crazy connections that these people have. And, and I'm, I'm sure it's really what defined what America became known for in its most negatively stereotypical fashion. Now, 
before we uh, we move on to to the to the main crux of everything, I want to talk about one specific program, and this was something that was declassified. This is not just a fiction for for Hollywood movies, and I am talking about MK Ultra, which was originally called Project. Well, not originally, but it was called Project Bluebird, which Crosby. Crosby, Stills, and Nash have a song named after. But originally it was called Project Artichoke, and then it became Project Bluebird, and then just Project MKUltra. Now, MKUltra is this idea that you could turn someone into essentially your slave. You could have them do your bidding, and we're not talking like a magician, you know, follow the coin, you're getting sleepy when. I snap my fingers. You think you're a chicken. The idea is that subjects were subjected to, forgive me for being redundant, <laughs> repeated psychological torture, beatings, and psychotropic drugs to get people conditioned to do whatever. Now, as far as what the actual results were, a lot of things are a little muddy just because a lot of the documentation were destroyed. But we still have a little bit of data. Now, this was an illegal human experimentation program designed and undertaken by the U.S. Central Intelligence Agency, CIA. The intent was to develop procedures and identify drugs that could be used during interrogations to weaken people and forced confessions through brainwashing and psychological torture. It started in 1953 and it stopped in 1973. So for 20 years, they were experimenting on people, trying to essentially turn them into assassins by subjecting them to psychedelic drugs and abuse. And just to get them to say, okay, when this happens, then you're going to kill someone. Have you ever heard of the movie, The Mancurian Candidate? Uh, I have. I'm so, very familiar. Okay. Well, that is what, that MK Ultra was the idea behind that, the, the triggering of the, the political assassin. So this is not something that just, oh, there's, you know, oh, whispers in the wind talks about MK ultra, you know, 30 years after it ended, but as it was going on and th that was a major Hollywood movie, I, I've, I'm going to, I, I'm going to look it up now, but I believe that movie was 1964. Let me find out. Mancurian candidate 1962. So this was seven years after they started. No, I'm sorry. Um, so nine, nine years. Truth. <laughs> well, well, uh, sure they they were, but how did they know about this? They well, would have a, a secret film studio in Laurel Canyon. <laughs> well, well, it doesn't have to be in Laurel Canyon, but it's because they were directly linked to the CIA. Hmm. Yes. So the CIA. It, and, and, you know, this wasn't some weird experimental filmmaker or some obscure filmmaker who only made one movie and years later turned out he was an army general or something. No, this was John Frankenheimer who he was making movies, you know, uh, up, up into the nineties, 
this was a guy that made a lot of movies. It was nominated for Academy Awards. This was not a small movie. Like Frank Sinatra was in this. So this was, this was a big deal. Mm-hmm. So influential, this, I bet. Yes. And yeah, I'm, I'm sure it was, but they could not have really made this without having an insight into what's going on deep within the, the hallowed halls of the government. So you, you've seen, you know, any action movie like, you know, Black Hawk Down or, um, Zero Dark 30, whatever, Sure. like any, any military movie. So they have to go through the department of defense to get approval, to use those. You can't just buy a Black Hawk helicopter. Like, you know, you can't go to, you know, the yeah. helicopter store or like, let's go down to the tank store. We need to get some tanks for this movie. You have yeah, to get, yeah. go ahead. No, I was going to say, we talked about that for uh, like the Super Bowl or for football games, how they have to contact the Department of Defense to have a flyover. You know, it's not just, hey, uh, <laughs> you're not using that, you know, F-16 or whatever, are you? No, right. that makes sense for the movies. You have to get uh, a proper Yeah, approval. you you have to, and you you have to you get have approval to, to use it. Yeah, you well, yeah <laughs> you, you have the, the department Department of Defense. <laughs> yes, and, and you also have to get approval for the portrayal of any kind of military or government agency. You have to get their like approval. Yeah, like, like they 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 can they can say you know what we or something. Yeah, like we don't we don't like how you're portraying us. We don't like that. We you don't make us look like, a, like that. <laughs> yeah. We don't like that. You make us look like a bunch of bloodthirsty savages. Yeah. We don't like that. So, um, unless you change that, you're not getting our tanks. You're not getting our rifles. You're not getting our Humvees. So they actually have to portray them in a way that is satisfactory to essentially the military. Hmm. So that, but that makes sense. Yes. Yes. So they have some connection with the Pentagon and MK ultra was a CIA experiment. So they also have a connection with the CIA. Now going back to this more specifics, MK ultra used numerous methods to manipulate its subjects, mental states and brain functions such as covert administration of high doses of psychoactive drugs, particularly LSD and other chemicals without the subject's consent, electroshocks, hypnosis, sensory deprivation, isolation, verbal and sexual abuse, and other forms of torture. MK ultra was preceded by project artichoke. It was organized to the CIA's office of scientific intelligence and coordinated with the United States army biological warfare laboratories. Probably the same ones that Frank Zappa's father was a part of. The program engaged in illegal activities, including the use of U.S. and Canadian citizens as unwitting test subjects. Mm-hmm. MK Ultra Scope was broad with activities carried out under the guise of research at more than 80 institutions aside from the military, including colleges and universities, hospitals, prisons, and pharmaceutical companies. The CIA operated using front organizations, although some top officials at these institutions were aware of the CIA's involvement. Now, the thing that stood out the most to me there was colleges. 
And that's where the majority of the hippie movement was really active. Because they weren't recruiting people down at, at the at the general store. You know, they weren't congregating down at the at the swimming hole. The people that were the most likely to be influenced were college kids because they were looking for something to be their thing. Every, everyone, like every teenager, they want, they want to be defined by something that makes them special. And it's really easy to get them wrapped up in whatever's popular at, at the moment. Like, um, like on TikTok, do you recall the, the, um, milk crate challenge? <laughs> Uh, I'm aware. Yes. Okay. Well, here was another good one. Do you recall the Tide Pod challenge? Oh yeah, I think that's one of the OGs, as they might put it. Well, I would go as far as to say the OG was probably the Hippie Challenge, <laughs> where you drop a bunch of acid and you listen to bad music, and uh, it changes your outlook on everything. So I, I think that was just a, a another version of, of of what what is like tip TikTok trends. Now moving on, MK Ultra was revealed to the public in 1975 by the Church Committee of the United States Congress and General Ford's United States President's Commission on CIA Activities within the United States, aka the Rockefeller Commission. Investigative efforts were hampered by CIA director Richard Helms orders that all MK ultra files be destroyed in 1973. The church committee and Rockefeller commission investigations relied on the sworn testimony of direct participants on the small number of documents that survived Helms order. In 1977, a FOIA request, AKA the freedom of information act uncovered a cache of 20,000 documents relating to MK ultra, which led to Senate hearings. Some surviving information about MK Ultra was declassified in 2001. So with what we do know about MK Ultra, we we know equally if not way more less just because <laughs> they destroyed so much of it. So what we have is they found 20,000 documents relating to MK Ultra. They were doing those experiments for 20 years. And that's just what we know of. As far as we know, they could have started before 1953. That's just what we have is documented. Richard Helm tried to bury all proof of MK Ultra, But people just happened to find it because of the Freedom of Information Act. Now, some of it was declassified in 2001. But by the time it's declassified, like this many years later, nobody cares anymore. The People, damage is already done. The damage, not only is the damage done, but there's new problems going on. Mm-hmm. So, you know, who has time to think about MK Ultra? Because when you think about MK Ultra, it, it seems kind of like a fringe, wacky thing that someone believes, like, um, like a flat Earth or like lizard people running the world mm-hmm. or. Now, what, give, give me your favorite goofy, uh, fringe conspiracy theory. Um, how about, how about 
probably the one we've mentioned of the original conspiracy is the JFK assassination. Well, you think that's a goofy fringe thing? I'm talking about um, like the really silly thing. I, uh, I, oh, talk, okay, I'm like talk, Pizzagate. I brought up I flat mean. earth and lizard people, and I said, "What's something that's like those?" Like JFK assassination. Yeah, because there were yeah, because that that just was exactly what they said. Yeah, <laughs> some guy, you know, lone communist sympathizer went up in a book depository and he with one bullet hit three people several times. The magic bullet. Magic bullet. Uh, now, I'll, now I'll go with the magic bullet. Anyone okay. that believes the magic bullet is real. I mean, that's pretty crazy. Pretty fringe. Yeah. See, you thought I was crazy. I do. I do. <laughs> I have to you recontextualize. Really I have to recontextualize everything that you say. Yes, it, that helps. Yes. Do you, do you have anything on MK Ultra that you'd like to, to add before I, I, I keep going on? Um, are you going to go over, uh, go ahead, just bring it it up, bring it up. Come on, go ahead. Well, I have passing the mic to you. You have the talking. So so I wanted to bring up a character by the name of Phil Oaks, and he was a folk singer, songwriter, and political activist who was found hanged in his sister's home in far Rockaway, New York on April 9th, 1976. And long story short, this guy seems like he was or very possibly could have been someone who was involved or had some information about MK Ultra. Whether he was himself an MK Ultra or Manchurian candidate himself, um, his father may have been because his father was um, subjected to every psychiatric treatment imaginable, including electroshock therapy. When he finally returned to his family in 1947, he was but a shell of his former self. This is. Uh, Phil Oaks' father, um, but his sister described him as almost like a phantom. Um, but what, what's very, very interesting is that Phil Oaks, in the summer of 1975, he decided to adopt a new name, and his new name became John Butler Train. So Oaks proclaimed himself as a CIA operative, and <laughs> he presented himself as a belligerent right right-wing thug and this is before um you know originally throughout his life oaks was one of the most overtly political of the 1960s rock and folk music stars and he was a regular attendee of um, at the anti-war civil rights and labor rallies and he even appeared to be at all times um, a political leftist he even named his first band the singing socialists but uh, obviously that changed rather dramatically before um, his death. So after he changed his name uh, from Phil Oaks to John Butler Train, um, he said that symbolic assassination on the summer solstice. Um, let's see here. Hang on a second. So he, um, one of Oaks bi- biographers would later write that Phil slash John actually believed he was a member of the CIA. Also in those final months of his life, Oaks began compiling curious lists with entries that apparently reference U.S. biological warfare research. So the next things I'm going to say are in quotes. Shellfish toxin, Fort Detrick, Cobra Venom, Chantilly Racetrack, Hollow Silver Dollars, New York 
Cornell Hospital. So <laughs> I actually looked up. Are those? Uh, I'm going to guess those are. Things. I'm going to guess those are MK Ultra trigger words. They are. So when you look up just shellfish toxin, <laughs> you get a you get a article of the disturbing story of the heart attack gun invented by the CIA during the Cold War. <laughs> and the heart attack gun fired a dart made of frozen shellfish toxin. And that's what this Phil Oaks was talking about. Shellfish toxin that would enter the target's bloodstream and kill them in mere minutes without leaving a trace. And it's very, uh, you know, peculiar, peculiar that a lot of people in our stories die of heart attacks at, you know, the age of 32, 36, in the 20s. So then when I looked up, um, the the hollow silver dollar um you you run into an article about hollow spy coins hidden codes in a spy swap with the soviets <laughs> um it's just so there it's not just like meaningless lists this guy compiled and what was interesting about this fort dietrich uh the secret history of fort dietrich the cia's base for mind control experiments uh, today, it's a cutting-edge lab. In the 1950s and 60s, it was the center of the U.S. government's darkest experiments. Uh, that's an article from 2019. Uh, but what was really interesting was this Cornell Medical Center. And you, you don't really get much information besides that it's a uh, a medical school and it's used for biomedical research. But I, as you scroll down on its uh, Wikipedia page, it lists some notable bursts hospitalizations and deaths so i i start looking at them and some of the births include you know george carlin caroline kennedy uh that's the <laughs> daughter of uh you know john f kennedy uh sean lennon was born there he's the, the son of john Yoko, lennon right? Yoko, yes jay rockefeller <laughs> former u.s senator obviously related to the rockefeller clan yeah, yeah. you got you know all these and then you've got all these prince and princesses of uh of denmark <laughs> so i want to comment on one thing real quick yes so george carlin w was in there yes so george carlin has a, a famous line that's that's used uh, in more fringe circles when they're being critical of people in power there's a george carlin quote where he says it's a big effing club and you ain't in it well, it sounds like George Carlin is in that is in the club. club. <laughs> isn't that the darndest thing? Yeah, isn't it? But go on, go on back to Denmark. Denmark. So there's, I actually clicked on one of these. So it's Prince Achilles Andres of Greece and Denmark, son of Pavlos, crown prince. And this is where we might get off track. So you can bring us back. But I thought it was interesting that he, this Prince Achilles Andres of Greece and Denmark. Um, he's in like movies and stuff. His career, yeah, okay. Between 2017 and 2019, he made guest appearances on the American television soap opera The Bold and the Beautiful. He uses the stage name ACHI Miller. So, Aki Miller, I don't know how to say that. Under the stage name Aki Miller, he got a small role in Jennifer Lawrence's 2023 movie No Hard Feelings, which was already released in theaters around the world. He is 23 years old, this guy. It's some prince of some Greek royal family that was and born. And he's born in New York City. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah. so it looks like 
is he the main guy in this this Jennifer Lawrence movie, or is he just in it? You know, I tried to do my best not to go full into the. Okay. Well, right. Okay. Yeah. I'm not yeah, going to, because I, I, I never even, the princes of, <laughs> yeah. Cause I, I mean, I've never even like heard of this movie. Apparently this came out. Cause when you said that I was expecting this to be like a, like a 60 year old guy. Cause like you said, the bold and <laughs> no. the beautiful, like, isn't that like, yeah. And that show, like it's 50 years old. I guess it sure, started yeah. in my 19- grandma watches that <laughs> yeah, started in 1987. Yeah. So I just assumed that, yeah, no, this is some young, young guy. So there's, so this is still some kind of like, like this is, this is where you go. Like if, if you are a bit like one of the big cheese, then you go to this little place in, in New York and that's, that's where you get, you give birth. Ties to MK ultra. (laughs) Everything is connected. It's all connected. It's so weird. And that's just the people who were born there. The, the deaths are really interesting. But I'm yeah, when you find out who dies there. <laughs> Goodness. That we know about. Yeah, and b- before I continue, and there, I'm going to add an asterisk for everybody. There are, there are two things. One, you got to take this all with a grain of salt, and I will, I will get to the reason why. But two, let, let's say, uh, let's do a little... Let's do a little uh, thought experiment. So, hey DJ. Oh no! I want I I, 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 I want to I want to um, build a, a a good reputation with uh, my neighbors. I want okay. I, I want them to think like I'm a good trustworthy guy. You, you know I because your neighbors. Yeah. Okay. Do you think I should just tell them that like I kill people? No, you keep that on the DL. Okay, but but why? If you're not a good people, then you have to lie to them to make them think that you're a good people. No, I didn't say I kill people. I'm making that up. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like, should I lie and oh, say that I kill people? Be, you want them to behave, you know, and scare them. No, I want them to like me and respect me and think I'm cool and like invite oh, okay. me over and bake me pies. No, they won't. They won't like you if you say that. Oh, really? They won't? Yeah. So, uh, I, I shouldn't lie to, um, to discredit myself i wouldn't okay so and and this is where i say take it with a grain of salt because a lot of this stuff there there's the second the second part of this uh, of this uh this wrap up is going to tie back into this point where the the a lot of this is just our the best interpretation that we have with the information that's available, but why would the CIA have this stuff out that makes them look worse when the point of the CIA is not to make you think that they destabilize countries, overthrow governments, commit evil acts, uh, torture innocent people in the name of research. See, the CIA doesn't want us thinking that because they want us to believe that they represent us as a country. They represent us and they're, they're doing what they can to combat our enemies. So it seems unlikely that they would put these stories out that makes them look bad 
to win favor of the public. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, like what what we know about MK Ultra is like as bad as it's gonna get declassified. They're not like that's the, got to be like the tip of the iceberg. They're not gonna. This yeah, is like they, as much yeah. as the public is going to be able to handle to still trust the CIA. And yes, so establishment. So almost certainly, what happened was they gave us a watered down version of what probably happened because someone said something that they weren't supposed to about this project. So they probably spun their best PR, as we'll get into in the second half. And they did what they could to save face. Because at a certain point, if you find out that your government is doing heinous things, you're going to probably, if it's bad enough, demand that the rot gets removed and replaced. So they would not put out misinformation to make themselves look bad. So that being said, to continue on, the project was headed by Sidney Gottlieb, but began on the order of CIA director Alan Dulles. Sidney Gottlieb is is from a Hungarian people that that came at the turn of the century, but he was just the, the scientific lead, and his goal was to develop mind-controlling drugs for use against the Soviet bloc in response to alleged Soviet, Chinese, and North Korean use of mind control techniques on U.S. prisoners during the Korean War. Now, this is where I have my grain of salt. I take it with the reason that it was developed for this. This is what I think was the PR. I don't know what the actual long-term goal was, but I don't think it was that. Now, you can believe that. That's okay, but this is this is what I think. I think that that there is intentional misinformation as to what the goal was, because you know they're fighting the Cold War and they have to do what they can. Oh, you know it's uh, in war things get messy. Oh, gee, you know we do we do what we can. It's not always pretty. I don't think so. I think uh, they started it for more nefarious reasons. And I do believe, just just to, to get to a little bit of the point, I think the Laurel Canyon was part of MKUltra. I, I think that the subjecting the people to the drugs and getting them all in rooms together, and there were definitely CIA agents about Laurel Canyon, Mm-hmm. And they were probably just seeing what happens when you take a normal person and you just subject them to drugs and you just do whatever you can once they're isolated. Cause a lot of these parties, someone would go in a, in a little room and they'd be watching pornography or something weird. Cause it said earlier, one of the things that they do is they subject them to sexual abuse. Mm-hmm. And I think that perfectly ties into it because Pornography does warp someone's brain. And this was a time when it wasn't widely available. So you just pump someone full of psychedelic drugs and then you have them watching pornography for hours and hours on end. And maybe it does something where 
you're allowed to be a little more suggestive. But going on here, because uh, th- this this paragraph goes into why they they started it, and I just, quite frankly, I just don't believe it. I don't believe they started doing MK Ultra to help America, and that's basically <laughs> that's what a, this article is going to say. Of course, you're going to say that, <laughs> right? That's the, and <laughs> oh, I, that's despicable. Oh, are they kidding me? Yeah, yeah, and that and and that's that's, very that's helpful. yes, thanks, yes, and thanks and that. Lot. That's where I say the, the grain of salt. I absolutely okay. believe there was a CIA project because it was declassified. And the, the idea was to abuse people and subject them to psychotropic drugs. Psychedelic well, in the drugs, beginning, they were doing some really good stuff, though. Oh, my yep. God. <laughs> yep, that's how, it, that's how it always starts. Like, well, in the oh beginning, but then they eventually yeah. lost their way. No one ever lost their way. <laughs> All these malicious entities, they started out malicious and they ended malicious. No one just like, Hey, we just wanted to help people. Uh, you know what? Why don't we just keep going? And like, let's, let's just, uh, molest children. Like it just never, it, it never starts like, Hey, let's save sick puppies. And then it just ends with like, let's kill all these babies. It doesn't happen like that. That what happens is these people get caught red-handed and then they have a PR team that spins the, the story for them in their favor. So yes, that's where my grain of salt lies. They, the, the project was definitely real and the reasons that they give, I don't buy it. Now the next paragraph, the project attempted to produce a perfect truth drug for interrogating suspected Soviet spies during the cold war and to explore other possibilities of mind control. The first part, I don't believe the second part. I absolutely believe Subproject 54 was the Navy's top secret, perfect concussion program, which was supposed to use sub oral frequency blasts to erase memory. The program was never carried out. That stuff. I believe the <laughs> things essentially I don't believe is anything that pretty much says that they were trying to do something to help America at a time of I- I- extreme Eastern Western tension right here. It says the project began during a period of what English journalist Rupert Cornwell described as paranoia at the CIA when the U S had lost its nuclear monopoly and the fear of communism was at its height. Yes. I, again, I don't believe they were motivated by the fear of communism because as we basically learned from the, uh, what's his name? The Senator from, uh, Wisconsin, uh, we all learned about him, uh, McCarthy that mm. communists had infiltrated the government and communists had infiltrated Hollywood, you know, uh, an extension of the media. Well, not an extension, just another arm of the media. Mm-hmm. Communists were in the music industry. Communists were in Washington. Heck, we we have active communists still in major positions in the government. So I don't believe it was about the fear of communism. Yeah, yeah, I don't believe it was the fear of communism. I believe it was something far more sinister. And that's just the 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 cope that they go with at the time. Like, oh, they they feared communism. They had communists everywhere. Well, they let them in. They let the communists in. They let them into all these levels of power. They knew about it. Yeah, sure. They, there was actual tension with communist countries, 
But communism isn't the problem. It was these other countries that were also communist. So that's what I don't believe. And that is all just PR to make it sound much nicer than it was. Now, again, back, back to uh, the applications. They found that the drug, well, the claims were that drugs were primarily used as an aid to interrogations. But MK Ultra and another subsect of it, MK Delta materials, were also used for harassment, discrediting, or disabling purposes. Well, you could also see what happens when you pump an entire generation full of psychotropic drugs. What happens then? So they could have very well been using all the hippie children. I say children, but you know, they're <laughs> late teenagers in you know, early 20s. They're still basically kids at that time. Just what happens if you just expose them to LSD and acid? Why not? Or their brains fully functioned? Well, yeah, they may not have been and just see what happens. Now, back to uh, the, the long term, CIA documents suggested that they investigated chemical, biological, and radiological methods of mind control as part of MKUltra. They spent an estimated 10 million or more, which is adjusted for inflation, $87.5 million on this project. Early efforts focused on LSD, which later came to dominate many MK Ultra programs. The CIA wanted to know if they could make Soviet spies defect against their will and whether the Soviets could do the same to the CIA's own operatives. I don't believe that, but you know, we'll, we'll go with the fantasy again, put a pin in this. This will all become clear. Documents obtained from the CIA by John D. Marks under the FOIA in 1976 showed that in 1953, the CIA considered purchasing 10 kilograms of LSD, which is enough for a hundred million doses. So the CIA is buying drugs, enough drugs to, to drug a hundred million people just to, just to test this out. And this is 1953. The proposed purchase aimed to stop other countries from controlling the supply. Documents showed that the CIA purchased some quantities of LSD from the Sandoz laboratories in Switzerland. Once Project MKUltra got underway in April 53, experiments included administering LSD to mental patients, prisoners, drug addicts, and prostitutes. People who could not fight back, as one agency officer put it. In one case, they administered LSD to a mental patient in Kentucky for 174 days. They also mm. administered LSD to CIA employees, military personnel, doctors, other government officials, and members of the general public to study their reaction. The aim was to find drugs that would bring out deep confessions or wipe a subject's mind clean and program them as a robot agent. Now that right there is what I believe the point of the whole experiment was. Everything else is just there as window dressing to look good for the press. I believe the point was to change people's brains and turn them in to either assassins or remove information from their brains so they couldn't be compromised in whatever form, such as, oh, I don't know, maybe that they couldn't reveal that there's a, a, a CIA experiment 
where they subject people to drugs and abuse them sexually and verbally just to see what would happen. Military personnel who received the mind-altering drugs were also threatened with court-martials if they told anyone about the experiment. LSD and other drugs were often administered without the subject's knowledge or informed consent. A violation of the Nuremberg Code the U.S. had agreed to after World War II. Many veterans who were subjected to experimentation are now seeking legal and monetary reparations. Now, in Operation Midnight Climax, which was uh, an operation, uh, which was a subproject of MK Ultra, that was also established by Sidney Gottlieb, the CIA. Like a great guy. Well, I think he's. I, I think he's not Sidney <laughs> Gottlieb. Yeah, uh, but anyway, the CIA set up several brothels within agency safe houses in San Francisco to obtain a selection of men who would be too embarrassed to talk about the events. The men were dosed with LSD, the brothels were equipped with one-way mirrors, and the sessions were filmed for later viewing and study. In other experiments where people were given LSD without their knowledge, they were interrogated under bright lights with doctors in the background taking notes. They told subjects they would extend their trips if they refused to reveal their secrets. The people under this interrogation were CIA employees, U.S. personnel, and agents suspected of working for the other side in the Cold War. Long-term debilitation and several deaths resulted from this. Heroin addicts were bribed into taking LSD with offers of more heroin. At the invitation of Stanford psychology graduate student Vic Lovell, an acquaintance of Richard Alpert and Allen Ginsberg, Ken Casey volunteered to take part in what turned out to be a CIA finance study under the ages of MK Ultra at the Menlo Park Veterans Hospital, where he worked as a night aide. The project studied the effects of psychoactive drugs, particularly LSD, psilocybin, which is you know, mushrooms, mescaline, cocaine, AMT, and DMT on people. The Office of Security used LSD in interrogations, but Sidney Gottlieb, the chemist who directed MKUltra, had other ideas. He thought it should be used in covert operations. Since its effects were temporary, he believed it could be given to high-ranking officials and in this way affect the course of important meetings and speeches. Since he realized there was a difference in testing the drugs in a laboratory and using it in clandestine operations, he initiated a series of experiments where LSD was given to people in normal settings without warning. So this is extremely evil. I, I just, I have to stop myself here. This is not something like for science. This is like, let's see what we can get away with. Let us, let's subject people to experimental mind altering substances just to see if maybe we could get them to kill people for us. Or yeah, let's I'm see a, if we can get them to forget important things. Yeah, I'm missing the part where uh, they're helping these right. people. And, <laughs> like, and where's the help? And that's why I believe all that crap about, oh, we're scared of communism. Oh, we're, we're worried about um, China, Russia, and North Korea. No, 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 no. Because you read everything else, well, it, it's very clear that they're just abusing people to see what would happen because they theorize they could use it to, to do extremely unethical things. And we don't need to keep going with this MK Ultra thing. 
So I think I, I've 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 said enough. I I do believe that MK Ultra was absolutely real. They used mind altering drugs and very uncomfortable, let's say, conditions to try to reshape people's brains and essentially change who they are. And this was, this was what the CIA did. And as we've learned from the previous weeks, many people in Laurel Canyon were connected to high levels of the military. Many of them were connected to Hollywood and members of like high executives of the music industry were connected to Washington officials. So I think it's safe to say that that what was his name? The bear? What was the bear's name again? Oh, Augustus Owsley Stanley the third was probably connected to the CIA. Oh yeah, he probably sold them all those tabs. Or well, they probably bought it for him, or he was well, the yeah. one making it. He, yeah, he, exactly. He was almost certainly connected to this. Now that's mm-hmm. just a theory. But this is the second part. Now I wanted to talk about this one specific thing here, and this is called Operation Mockingbird. Now, had you heard of mm-hmm. this before we started doing this? Um, I have, but it's been a while since I got into that. So it it it, it would be refreshing to me to hear hear it again. Okay, I so where? Yeah, so I'll, I'll gladly take you take you down a Ooh, memory yeah. lane. So again, I have to say, grain of salt for these things, and it's not that they don't exist. It's not take a grain of salt, like take a grain of salt. The the man <laughs> didn't land on the moon or something like that. Like no, no, no. This stuff absolutely existed, but the story itself, the we'll call it the cover story, because that's what it is. That's what you mm-hmm. take your grain of salt with. So Operation Mockingbird is a large scale program where essentially the CIA took control of the media for propaganda purposes. Now, when people think the media, what they think is like New York Times, Washington Post, Fox News, MSNBC. That's what they think of when they think of the media. But they also forget that the media is also movies, TV, and music. Mm. This is still the media. Like when I brought up the department yeah, yeah, yeah. of defense earlier, like, Oh, if you, you want a tank, you got to get it cleared by you the department of movie? defense. Yeah. 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 So these things, they're all connected there. It's, it's, you don't, you don't just make a movie. Like I want to make a war movie. No, no, no. You have to get permission from the United States military to to use these weapons because that's what they are so the cia and now this is what it says that uh, and i've i've combed through a lot of articles and i found various mixed reasons for what the purpose of operation mockingbird was and it seems to vary from from author to author so the idea is the cia runs the media. So it, it says, according to author Deborah Davis, Operation Mockingbird recruited leading American journalists into a propaganda network and influenced the operations of front groups. 
CIA support of front groups was exposed when an April 1967 Ramparts article reported that the National Student Association received funding from the CIA. In 1975, Church Committee Congress and congressional investigations revealed agency connections with journalists and civic groups. So another thing is it just, it just came out and a lot of these things, they, they just get exposed. So these people have to get in front of it. Now, the one thing that, that came to mind almost immediately when I was combing through these, like what was the purpose of operation mockingbird? And like one of them just actually said to, to produce pro America propaganda. Well, uh, I, I'm pretty sure that there was a pretty anti American sentiment coming from the American media that was usually directed from the Laurel Canyon type hippie crowd. They, they were calling the Vietnam veterans baby killers and all sorts of horrible things. And, they were speaking ill of Richard Nixon. I think th- I think this was the the first time that people really had actual animosity for the country they lived in. And that's where I say that it varied from person to person and it just begs the question, do you know what I'm getting at right here? Do you know what I'm going to say? Uh, maybe. Go ahead. Tell me, tell me what you think I'm getting at with this line. I don't know what you're getting at. Okay. All right. Well, you, you did your best to, (laughs) if, if the CIA is controlling what is put out in the media, what reason do you have to believe that they aren't controlling the narrative for operation mockingbird? So when you say, well, what's the purpose of operation mockingbird? I have no reason to believe that a CIA agent isn't the one writing that to cover up what the actual purpose is. So operation mockingbird is the CIA controls the media for propaganda purposes. Now propaganda is just getting people to, to think what you want them to think that's propaganda. So it's a very likely that the CIA was behind Laurel Canyon (laughs) for propaganda purposes. Well, what was their goal? Well, their goal seemed to be to cause a schism, to cause chaos. You know, a a house that divided surely cannot stand, right? Yes, Mr. Lincoln. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Thank you. I was born <laughs> in a log cabin or something. Yes. <laughs> but that Those that's like the the best the best that I can figure is that was the point. And I I, I saw this really funny post on, on Quora. Just someone said, Are people aware that Operation Mockingbird never really stopped and that the CIA and MSN still work hand in hand? And it's it's pretty funny that um the the first uh, answer was, I don't see anything in this article that indicates that it ever stopped. Yes. And there's a lot of sleight of hand like, oh, well, you know, it's no, it, it's still going on. There, there is, there is nothing to suggest that it ever stopped because, uh, have you ever heard of 
COINTELPRO? Mm, no. Okay, so it, the COINTELPRO, it was counter, counterintelligence program. Series of covert and illegal projects actively conducted <laughs> by the United States Federal Bureau of Investigation. See, it's oh, not great. just the CIA. It, it's the Pentagon, the FBI, the the CIA. Uh, it, it's 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 all the high levels of power. Now, it, it was aimed at surveilling, infiltrating, discrediting, and disrupting domestic American political organizations. So they the. This, this is not a, a new thing. So the, the CIA works to, to tell these people what to think. And then all the while it, they have their, their hands in all these pies. And if anything looks like it's getting out of line, well, they can just send the FBI in to, to, to shake the rest of it up, to, to, to break everything up. It's, it's going against the the preferred narrative in 1973 a document referred to as the family jewels was published by the cia containing a reference to project mockingbird which was the name of an operation in 1963 which wiretapped two journalists who had published articles based on classified material now the document does not contain references to operation mockingbird so that's pretty much them saying well, that doesn't mean that Operation Mockingbird was real. This is all alleged. Well, again, why would you come out and confirm that? It's no, just, oh, it, it's all allegedly. Well, yeah. Like if it just came out and the CIA just said, yep, we control all the media. We approve everything that's put out. Yeah, that one they can't justify to say like, oh, yeah, but we're doing it to help you. Yeah, yeah, like we, we can do an MK Ultra. Oh, I want to shove this down your throat and subject you to the sexual stuff to help you. We're, we're just trying anything because you're just so you just in such a, a rut. <laughs> but Operation Mockingbird, you know, it's we're we're just trying to help you by by curating all the media to make you think what we want you to think. You don't That's need going any to help information. You. <laughs> yeah, and um, information is going to confuse you. <laughs> yeah, and, and what we think is uh-huh. actually the best. So. Just don't question anything. No, no, no. Now, and and how I want to tie this all together is the Operation Mockingbird almost certainly created the Laurel Canyon crowd. It was a bunch of people that were all the children of of we'll we'll just say government officials. Just mm-hmm. say that because they're not necessarily military, but most of them were. So they're government officials that created this. They created the hippie movement. They created uh, a bunch of, a bunch of losers that just did a bunch of drugs and listened to bad music. And they made a lot of money off of it, completely changed the music industry. Now, DJ, because I like torturing you like this, what, what is, what is my conclusion? Your conclusion is that, um, it just paved the way for such great, great stuff in the future. Like, like, uh, rap. Well, you know what? I was really ready to pull Mr. Garrison and say, this is wrong. Try again, <laughs> dumbass. But yes, that not exactly, but pretty Yucky. much. Yes. Yes. The, this same thing. There's no reason to believe it's not active today. Pure producing 
all of these top 40 artists that yep. we routinely criticize and we say, how, how did this person become famous? How is this person worth so much money? Why does this person have another number one hit? It's because the music industry is, is produced by the CIA. It's worse than we thought. Yes. <laughs> it's even worse. Yes. I don't yes. like being right. And this, I like and the, being on the conspiracy end of this. I don't like that. It's true. <laughs> yeah. And, and that, and there, there's, there's absolutely no reason to, to think that all this terrible music. And I do believe still like all, all this stuff, it's popular because they, they want it to be. And, mm-hmm. and I do believe some stuff that is popular is genuinely popular because you, you have something that uh, let's say it's popular in 1982. Oh, I like it and you like it. And this guy likes it. Well, it's still popular today. So it probably was popular for a reason there, there, there are, and like we we've said in the past, like no one wants to see 60 year old Nicki Minaj singing <laughs> her terrible songs, doing, yeah, doing her butt dance. Because she, she's popular now because Operation Mockingbird wants her to be. None of her songs are timeless. She doesn't produce any classics. We, we, we know songs from the night, even like rap songs. Like we, we, we know, you know, California love and big Papa. We know these songs there as, as much as I can't stand the genre I still recognize them as songs that were a, a, a genuine product of the era. And that's why I do believe metal is, it is timeless. Like pe- people have liked it forever. There is a genuine craving for hard rock and, and there's a line and that's why new metal died. We, we still have thrash metal bands, death metal bands, black metal bands popping up. It, it still happens. New metal, not so much. Sure, there are there are still some bands that are new metal that are still popular. Like Corn, still is, is popular. People still go to their concerts. They have a, a decent fan base. Still, same with Limp Biscuit. Even I don't know why, but Your for the favorite. most part, my favorite. Yeah, my favorite. I thought I was the only one that liked them, but for the most part, no one's starting up new new metal bands. And a lot of these genres, they're, they're popular at the time because what happens is the airwaves get flooded with them. The TVs get flooded with them. Now it's YouTube and TikTok gets flooded with them. Snapchat gets flooded with them and everyone sees it. And then that's all that's available. So the CIA didn't just create Laurel Canyon. The CIA had an experiment to see if it could create an entire music genre. Now, I remember seeing this meme years ago. It was a, a Tupac song next to a, a Beyonce Canole song. <laughs> and, and it was like, I can't remember the Tupac song. I don't care. But it was like writer and it was just Tupac. And then it was a Beyonce song. And the lyrics were so stupid and simple. Like I, I, I always think of that South Park episode with um, the Jennifer Lopez, where he's like, "That's a that's the the third song tonight. Your songs are so stupid and simple that they require no effort." I thought you were gonna say the um, 
how Randy makes the Lord music. I, <laughs> Sitting okay. on the toilet. <laughs> well, I, I saw one of those episodes and I was extremely confused because I didn't realize that it w- was episodic. So I just saw that Randy was Lord and I was like, what the heck is going on? And then I, and I missed the episode before it. So I don't know that I, I, I don't know anything about Lord. Only, (laughs) only that Randy is Lord. Apparently, (laughs) That's all I know. So no, it was the Jennifer Lopez. It's just with Cartman's writing and your songs are so, are so stupid and easy. They require almost no effort. But it was some some Beyonce Canole song, and and then the lyrics were just terrible. And it had like six songwriters, and I bet I bet four of them at least were CIA operatives. <laughs> they probably are. I don't even mean I, to laugh, but they probably are. Okay, so uh, I'm just gonna I'm gonna look up Nicki Minaj. Oh, no. no, I'm gonna look up Lizzo. Lizzo. So I'm gonna look up or what's her newest so What's her newest album? I thought, I thought you were say controversy. Oh, okay. she's still raping people. Okay, so yeah. the producers on her album special, which is a 35-minute album, um, there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty, twenty-one, twenty-two, twenty-three, twenty-four, twenty-five. There are 25 producers on an album with <laughs> 12 tracks that's 35 minutes long. Made it was nominated and it was nominated for album of the year, which also won best urban contemporary album. But I just wanted to look up the, okay. What, what's her name? Lizzo's name is okay. Melissa Jefferson. So she is credited as a writer on Mrs. a lot Jefferson? of her songs. Yeah, for the for the lyrics, yeah. So she she wrote most of her lyrics. They were co-written by some other people. The music on one song is written by one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven people wrote the music on a three-minute song. Oh, you know it's good. Oh, yeah, that's how I know it. that it's mind control. <laughs> Put yeah, a lot I of have, effort into that. I have okay. no reason to believe that there are not CIA agents writing this or co-writing it at least. That it's hard to think otherwise. Yeah, 25 producers on an album that's 35 minutes long. Producer that's, a minute. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Oh my god! Lord, I what wonder how much money that each of them made. Yeah, yeah. I don't. Yeah, said we weren't going to go into rabbit holes. <laughs> no, 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 no. But that was just that was just an example that I wanted to bring up because I do remember was, seeing the meme of the the Tupac song versus the the Beyonce song. The how many songwriters it takes. Like, like you don't. It doesn't take eleven people to write a three minute song, especially. Oh gosh, I I want to. I gotta look that song up for later because I, I'm I'm sure it's extremely repetitive. Okay, the song is called Naked. Oh gosh, I can only imagine what the lyrics oh, are like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, th- this yeah. is this is I'm being I'm being subjected to sexual abuse. Yes you are by by 
looking at Lizzo. And and, and I, I do think that is part of it. Like if, if you watch music, like modern music videos by female artists, they're not too far off from pornography. No, they're not. Go, yeah, look up like Ariana Grande videos or Iggy Azalea videos. Well, you don't have to. Just you take my word for even it. The, even the Jennifer Lopez Shakira Super Bowl uh, stripper pole dance. Well, know? she <laughs> had a song with Iggy Azalea, I think. And oh, yeah. I, I think the song was, it was called like butt or something. Probably. And it was just like them doing like softcore porn stuff. It, it's a, oh, and I do remember the Nicki Minaj video, Anaconda. I remember when that came out, that was a big controversy, but, uh, there, there was a uh, Cardi B's WAP. And then, you know, we, we, we had a, yeah. And we had a good laugh at bongos or bongo. I'm not sure what it was called. One of those about oh, how yeah that's right yeah so and th- this is all approved by the cia that's that's where this comes from that's where all of this comes from because Car- cardi b doesn't say like hey i got an idea for a music video i'm gonna wear a thong and and shake my butt and then someone's like great let's do it no 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 because if you look at the videos now, DJ, you and I, we could shoot a music video with, um, you know, maybe, maybe even just with our, like our cell phone, cell phones take pretty good videos or, but, or we could get like a Canon, uh, DSLR for maybe six, 700 bucks. And we could probably make something pretty nice. You know, we could just get some, some, some decent lights, uh, put like, a maybe get a, a green screen and make it look super cheesy or something, whatever we could shoot a video for like less than a thousand dollars and have it look pretty good. Like with, like without having any knowledge of filmmaking or anything like that, it, we could watch a couple of YouTube videos and we could get it down. It's not too hard, but the budget on these videos, it's it's probably in the million like to to oh gosh let's let, let, let's i'm gonna find <laughs> this out the the budget for bongo's music video well and you also got to pay all these producers that goes well video. that goes into so, the budget that, yeah that you, you know a lot of people a lot of money has got to get spread around bongos i'm gonna see if i can find two million dollar budget <laughs> for one song yeah two million dollars so that's a two million dollar song yeah so they they had and they had to get approval they had to get approval from the record company to shoot that video like hey we want to do this video where these girls wear thongs and they shake their butt how much is it gonna cost how much is it gonna cost okay it's uh two million dollars now pitch that to anyone else how long is the song three minutes and you want $2 million for that. Like you could make a feature film that'll probably net you like 15 million for that. You, for $2 million, you could probably make a low budget horror movie. That's like, like a remake of like, I don't know, Friday, the nightmare street like, or something like you do like whatever, pick, pick a thing. And you for two million dollars, like all you need is like some fake blood, 
and uh, some some limbs to 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 hack like fake limbs to hack off. And there you go. That can't be that expensive. And that's an hour and a half. But this is like three three minute song. Two million dollars. And it's it, you know what? I'm gonna go a step further. I didn't think Uh-oh. about this because I I'm you know a healthy normal person for. Two million dollars, you could probably make a string of pornographic films <laughs> that would probably make like a hundred times the budget. We don't want people doing that. No, we don't, but we don't want people listening to Bongos or WAP by Megan the Stallion and Cardi B either. We can almost uh, buy Eddie Van Halen's Hot for Teacher guitar for that. Well, half, we're halfway you know, there. That's true. It's like <laughs> it costs it costs two bongos videos to to make one Hot for Teacher video or one Hot for Teacher guitar. Guitar, yeah, yeah. So yeah, two million dollars, but that had to be approved by the record company and whoever wherever they're shooting it. Because I, I I knew that that was expensive, not because it looks expensive. It looks like they probably could have got that for I don't know how much stage lights are, and they probably shot it at a sound sound stage. But it can't be that much to build those sets. No so way. It, so it's probably like <laughs> for three minutes. It, it's probably like maybe being realistic, fifty thousand dollars. But somehow it ballooned to two million. I remember there was a Michael Jackson music video and the budget was a million and that was a big thing because he used to put a lot of effort into it. Granted, a million in the 90s was a lot more than two million now, but not that much more. No, it's, but it's still, around the same. Yeah, yeah. You, and, and for the effort that they put into it, they could have just shot her, Cardi B, uh, and I guess there's two of them. Megan On a the Saturday Stallion. night? <laughs> No, no. Well, yeah. I mean, I, what, what's Normal that? Day. Yeah. Well, I mean, depending on who she's uh, hanging out with, they, they might be shooting her anyway. Oh, but no. <laughs> oh wait, no. That was Megan the Stallion who got shot. That was Megan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But and no, I was going to say you could just shoot them in a strip club. Just yeah, dance. Exactly. Just just pole dancing. What? Why not? It, like it's, it's, you got your lighting already taken care of. They're doing the same thing. No one's going to care. No one's going to be like, oh, this is a low budget. It looks like they shot at a strip. It's the same thing. No one's praising the production values for this, this, this filth. Yeah. But you this know what is, I, go ahead. No, well, what I kind of, maybe this is my little, what I should have brought up as my little like conspiracy or something, because these videos are so easy to make and they're just, you know, dancing provocatively if you want to just call it that but when will we be at the point where you could totally ai that and not tell the difference between a human being and the ai because i feel like we could even already be there and when i watch movies i'm like wait a minute like how when will we be there or are we there is that why the strike is there but yeah i don't want to go like full-on off topic, but I, it, I have it can't be about too that. far. It can't be too far off. I mean, well, because remember a few years ago when the deep fake was a was a thing. It's it's not as popular as it is now, but 
it, it's probably not too far off. You have a combination of deep fakes with AI. Mm-hmm. It, yeah, we're we're probably pretty close to doing that. And so you can just have AIs making full music videos. And everyone's still getting paid even more than it's uh, obviously worth. Well, the only people getting paid are the people at, at the top. Like you don't have like any, you don't have to pay the, um, the camera guy or, or the, the guy that runs the, the lights or the power. Uh, you don't have to pay any set designers. Yeah. You don't have to pay any rent for any, you know, stage. Yeah. You don't have to rent. Yeah. You don't have time. to rent sound. You don't have to rent, rent equipment. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. You already said that. <laughs> yeah. Like the only people getting paid are the, the person, I don't want to call them musicians. Uh, the prostitutes it, that uh, are behind <laughs> the um, the uh, cacophonous uh, pornography. <laughs> no, no, not not the talent. They're not that. And uh, the the heads of the um, uh, the record label, and I guess the producers of the song, all twenty five of them. Yeah, they worked hard. Don't discredit them. It's not uh, their fault. Well, you know, they, you know, they, they were training hard down at, down in Langley. <laughs> so, you know, that this is, this is what they specialized in. Yeah. So it all started in Laurel Canyon and it's still going on today. And this mm-hmm. is why there is no hard rock. And this is, and this is why you're also seeing country music making a shift over to rap. Because rap is the lowest form of artistry. It it is the it is the it requires the least amount of talent, and and just to show how talentless these people are, you have eleven people writing the music for one of Lizzo's songs. Mm. I thought Lizzo was a classically trained flautist. Oh, Should yeah. she be writing her own songs? No. Now Madonna wrote all the songs on her first album. After that, they were all heavily co-written. It all comes back to Operation Mockingbird. So, yep that that was that was the Laurel Canyon deep dive, and how what started in a little part of Los Angeles in the '60s is still going on today, with just slightly different effects but the exact same outcome. So it's, it's been a long ride and there is still so much more we could get to, but maybe in the future, something might come up and we might talk about very specific things, but, uh, I I'm ready to, to hang up my hat and, and just close the book on the metal podcast, Laurel Canyon. What about you, DJ? You feel satisfied? Yeah, I feel satisfied. I, I, there's just so much more, but we, we need to move on with our regular scheduled content, you know. But you know, all roads seem to to uh, lead to Laurel Canyon, and and still do. <laughs> yeah, they'll never. I'm sure we'll make plenty of references in the future. But oh, you yeah. know what? Uh, as I have considered this one big episode and. This is the end. So, DJ, why don't you uh, go ahead and take us home? All right. Well, 
I wanted to actually do one of our favorite things to do on, on the Metal Podcast is actually actually read some lyrics. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I wanted to kind of just, since we were talking about the CIA, especially today, um, on May 26, 1967, Frank Zappa um, and the Mothers of Invention released a song called Plastic People, and it starts off, Ladies and gentlemen, the President of the United States, um, fellow Americans, He's been sick. I think his wife will bring us some chicken soup. Plastic people. Oh, baby, how you're such a drag. I know it's hard to defend an unpopular policy every once in a while. Plastic people. Oh, baby, how you're such a drag. There's this guy from the CIA, and he's creeping around Laurel Canyon. And I could continue, but you get it. Like, these people, they even... I feel like they're just dangling it in front of our faces that we're too stupid to notice. But it's all connected you guys, don't keep us a secret out there. Go um, tell your friends about the Metal Podcast. Let's go and um, share this deep dive, the Laurel Canyon deep dive. And, you know, I've even asked some people, and they're like, oh, well, who are the Laurel Canyon musicians? So not everyone knows this like we do. So go out there, uh, ask us to join the Discord. We'll send you an invite. And don't keep us a secret. And everybody, stay safe out there. <laughs>